0: fucking degenerates guess what we are here to give you your draft advice this is the biggest draft weekend of the year you're probably heading to your draft today if there's a live draft you might you're probably drafting tonight if it's online best of luck obviously But we're going to give you a little bit of advice. We're going to tell you how to draft. And I am joined, as always, by the DFS degenerate, the commissioner himself, Mr. Eric DeFusco. How are you doing tonight, Eric?
1: I'm doing great, man. And uh, speaking of DFS, I've been getting that itch because I know the season's about to kick off. (laughs) And (laughs) I kind of did a little bit of looking into it today. I'm going to do a lot more over the weekend and all that and next week, you know, next week, there's no preseason. There's nothing. It's kind of a dead week. going to mm-hmm. be the last dead week for a while. So I'll try when I do a lot of DFS preps. And But, yeah, so we, me and you, both have a draft this weekend, the Pilgrim League. And like you said, there's going to be a lot of people out there drafting this weekend and next week. There's a lot of people going to be drafting from now all the way till kickoff on the 9th. And... We're here to help you guys and hopefully teach you guys how to approach your drafts and help. You know what I mean? We, we want to see you guys win leagues. We want to see emails come through that say, thank you guys. You guys helped me win my league. You guys stared me this way or stared me away from this, this guy. And it really helped me win my league. And that, that's, that's why we do it, man. That's why Absolutely. we do it. Absolutely,
0: We want to help. That's all we do. So, uh, But first, we are going to answer a quick mailbag. The mailbag. So, a friend of the show, listener, league mate has written in and he wants to know, in a 10-man league where tight end is a tight end wide receiver flex, what are your thoughts on how this affects the top tight ends in the draft? There is no other flex and there is no tight end spot. Um, Simply, uh, outside of the top, Probably six tight ends, I'm just not drafting one uh, if I have one flex and I have the opportunity to fill it with a wide receiver, I'm going to fill it with a wide receiver unless I have like Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller like I'm fine throwing those guys in the flex um you know, maybe the four five six tight end you're like, oh, you know there's upside, maybe they'll be top three this year, and I'll draft them and see what happens, but I'm gonna have a wide receiver slated for that flex spot um eric do you have any particular thoughts i mean how how are you looking at tight end if you don't have a tight end spot
1: yeah so i'm kind of with you there like kelsey i'd probably still have ranked the same and i'd probably still think he should go around the same spot but like i think everybody else i'd slide back
0: so here's the thing though like i mean Kelsey goes that high because of the positional advantage, the leverage. If he's playing against wide receivers, doesn't that kind of level it out a little bit?
1: It does, but if you look at his numbers, he would still finish as like a top 10 wide receiver. I believe if you, I don't remember, but I'm almost positive if you would have just looked as a wide receiver, he still was top 12. Well, last man, year, but man. not yeah, on last, average. but that was a, that was a yeah, that was last year was like a career fucking year, dude. Yeah. Like you can't expect that to happen again and you got to temper them expectations. So I mean, In he pretty
0: head. much goes at the back of the first and if I don't have a tight end spot, if I'm not gaining any positional yeah, not, leverage, I don't know if I would take him loud. there.
1: Yeah, now that you say it out loud, I don't think I would either. And I I think you would have to slide all them guys back. Maybe I don't know if you slide them back a full round. I think there's some I would slide back even more. But like yeah, Kittle and Waller. Like I I'd slide them back. I'd slide Hawkinson back. I'd slide fucking Higby, Irv Smith, Kyle Pitts, all them guys. Mm-hmm. And I, I like you said, like I think once I get out of outside of the top five tight ends, I'm like screw it. I'll just I'll just roll with a wide receiver agree that's an interesting it's an interesting format not common yeah that's not common at all that is not common i don't know if i've ever heard of a league that did that
0: so i mean i i kind of get it on one level on another level i feel like it devalues a position a little too much um you know i like having tight ends and they're fun to stream and you can play the matchup game and if you really know what you're doing you can make a lot out of a little and you know, I like tight end, so I don't want to see the tight end position just fade away and go away. But it is an interesting twist on it. I like it a lot. It's kind of pick your spot, pick your poison. Like, where do you draft them? Do you draft them? I, I kind of like that little twist. Um, But that will answer Shane's question. And now we're going to tell you guys how to draft. How to draft. So I mean I'll go first and you know when I enter a draft I want to have a particular approach in mind and I kind of map out my first few picks I get an idea of what I want with those picks if if not specific players certain positions and I kind of map out what I'm looking for with the at least the first few picks you know I have a I have an approach in mind And that's what I want to stick to. Um, Do you kind of uh, approach your draft the same way, Eric? Do you kind of go into it like, all right, well, if if things go my way, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and
1: I'm going to love my team. Yes, I do, actually. I don't completely map out my entire draft, but... (laughs) I do kind of head in with some kind of an approach, and obviously a lot of that hinges on where you're picking from. Are you picking in the front? Are you going to have a top four pick? Are you going to be able to get one of those top-tier running backs? Are you picking in the back? Are you going to be able to double up on RBs and get a couple of back-end RB1s or maybe a guy you believe in a lot and that you think can shoot into the top eight at the position or top five even? You're going to go double wide receiver or whatever. So circle wheel back circle back real quick to the degenerates uh draft over this weekend i was i went into that draft i said i'm 90 percent positive i'm gonna take antonio gibson with my first pick he's one of my guys i love him this year and i and i said in in the second round i'm gonna if calvin ridley's there depending on what's there i will take him and i was like if Najee harris is there i'll probably take him but i fully expected him to be gone mm-hmm. but i kind of went in with that approach and I, I do, and you know, and and I have guys like Javante Williams, I was like, I'm going to target him in the fifth round range if he's there, depending how the running back landscape looks. If it's getting thin, I'll take him there. If I think I can wait around, I'll wait around. But I, I'm with you. I do like to have an approach heading into the draft, but it's also something I'm not like going to lock myself and back myself against the wall to stick to. You know what I mean? hmm And sometimes you go to abandon ship and... and <laughs> Sometimes that's fine because if there's values on the board and, and you know, you got to go with you got to go with what you get, what you're given, which is going to this is going to bring me to one of my draft tips because I kind of just touched on it a little bit. And that is uh, staying fluid. You cannot be afraid to deviate from the approach if things don't go as planned. You know, like I had just said, I went in with with Gibson Ridley in mind. But if Najee Harris fell to me at two, I would have abandoned that plan because I would have went Gibson Najee. And, you know, it's you got to just go with what's given to you. You cannot lock yourself into the approach. You need to know that things might not go as planned. A guy you might think like, oh, I think I can get him in the seventh round. And then somebody reaches up in in the fourth. You like what I did there, and takes him, <laughs> and you're kind of like, oh well, I guess I'm not gonna go with him. You know, obviously he's not gonna be there for me now. And you gotta start looking, and you gotta have, you gotta backup plans. You got, you gotta, you can't panic. It's basically what it kind of really boils down to. Like, don't panic. Always have backups, and just just go with it. Like there was guys I wanted in that in that draft. I'm just circling back to that one because it's the most recent one. I didn't get him. I didn't panic. Most I said, important fine. one. Yeah, I was like, that's fine. I'll, I'll, there's other guys I want. There's, a, You know, I wanted Brandon Ayuk. I didn't get him. I said, well, that's fine. I'm like, I'll just go this way. I'll go this route instead. Mm-hmm. And I was okay with the end result. And I, I, I would imagine that you agree with that approach as well, Brian, staying fluid if the approach doesn't go your way.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you have to kind of take what you're given and you know I, I i went into that draft with certain picks in mind and really realistically very few of them panned out and you know you kind of lightly joked about michael carter and he was somebody that i was looking to get later and i wasn't able to get and it kind of changed my approach a little bit because now that that guy that I'm really high on that I was planning on taking in the sixth or seventh was no longer available. So I'm like, all right, so now I need to find another running back a little earlier. And that was just kind of how it went. So I was able to recover because I had other guys in mind. I had other guys I liked and I just kind of rolled into those guys, you know, without going into too much detail. I don't want to bore people to death, but you know, it kind of changed my strategy a little bit. It it definitely changed my strategy and you know, that's good. That's going to bring up my tip, you know, Um, have a draft strategy in mind. You know, it's, you know, like if I'm at the front of the draft, I prefer RB and chill. It's been working very well for me this year. I really like my mocks that way. If I'm in the middle of the draft, I tend to prefer kind of a balanced approach. And if I'm in the back of the draft, I want to go RB heavy. And I'll take two two uh two running backs, maybe three running backs in the first four picks and I'll kind of let the wide receivers fall to me. You know, I'll take what's left and I'll make it work. And you know, even even if you have that strategy in mind again, you can't be afraid to stay fluid. If it's not working, just get off it, man. You can't be. You can't stick to your guns. Like, no, no. I'm in the front of the draft. I'm doing RB and chill, and that's fucking it. I don't care that JK Dobbins is available in the third round. I'm not taking him because I'm doing RB and chill. Like, nah, dude. Like, get off it, bro. Like, look at what's available. You know. I mean, obviously. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. You, you, you always. Are, you're not afraid to deviate at all. I I know you. Like you'll you'll be nope. like, hey, I, I had no but. As a matter of fact, I can give a very specific example. Last year, just before the draft started, just before the degenerous draft, we were we were outside and you told me you said, "There's no fucking way I am taking David Montgomery. He is not even on my list. I'm not taking him. He has a soft tissue injury, and I, last year he wasn't that good, and I don't want him." He fell to the fifth. You took him. He paid off. And you said, dude, once he fell that far, I, I couldn't ignore him anymore. I just had to. And you abandoned your strategy. Yeah. You abandoned your approach. You took the guy that was too good of a value to ignore, and he paid off.
1: Yeah. And honestly, he kind of fell to me again this year. I think I got him at a pretty damn good value. Yeah. And so I went fairly RB heavy. In the in the degenerates league, I, I I believe four of my first seven picks were running backs. Which that is not was like not like you. That was not my no. That was not my plan. That was not my plan. Yeah, so yeah. like the, and it's like that's it's like this year I didn't really have a set strategy, believe it or not. Like in this in this draft, I, was, I guess I was I was viewing it more as like a I'll take a balanced approach in a way, but I'm gonna play the board and see what comes to me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Which draft day tip number two, watch the board and tie right into it. You know, you you, <laughs> you can't stay, you just, you can't stay laser focused, you know, on, on your own team. You got to look at the teams. You got to look around you and see who's taking what, what's available. You know, okay, these guys behind me all have quarterbacks. So on my first pick, maybe I can skip a QB. And grab a QB on the on the turn. Or whatever. If you're, you're at the middle of the front. I mean the end of the front. And sometimes watching the board can burn you. You know? And I'm going to explain to you how it can burn. Because <laughs> I got too cute. Last Saturday. And I took my RB5. RB5. Okay? Before a tight end. Because I looked behind me. And I said. This team, this team, and this team. I was a pick. Tight ends, Tunyon and Higby are there. I am perfectly fine with one of them. I prefer Higby. I said, I'm going to take Gus Edwards here, and I'll just take whichever one comes to me. And if they're both there, I'll take Higby. And they both went. No, I did not foresee that coming. Sometimes people blindside you, so you just you got to be be careful too. Sometimes when you're watching the board, you know what I mean, because there can be some surprises, but.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I'll I'll give you a successful example. Just today, we're drafting in the listener league, the listener redraft league, the one that I am managing. And at the 7-6, I wasn't crazy about a lot of the players there. And I was like, maybe I should just take my quarterback and reach down to take my quarterback. And I looked at the quarterbacks available and... You know, the guys a little further down were Matt Stafford and Ryan Tannehill. And I said, all right, well, I'll be fine with either one of those. And then I looked at the board and I saw that five out of the six teams had a quarterback. I'm like, well, nobody's taking a second quarterback this fucking high. So I'm going to just take the best player ever, which I ended up landing on Juju. And I'm just going to take him, fuck it, and... One of those quarterbacks pretty much is guaranteed to come back to me. And then I ended up with my guy, Ryan Tannehill, the one that I wanted. And I I couldn't have been more stoked. And it's like, if I hadn't stopped to read the board, I would have taken Tannehill around sooner than I had to. And I would have ended up with a worse wide receiver in the next round. So, you know, to your point, it definitely, definitely helps to watch the board.
1: Most of the time it works, but sometimes it can burn you <laughs> with the tight ends. And another thing, too, real quick with, like, watching the board is, like, if you see positional runs, whether it be running back, receiver, tight end, quarterback, like, don't panic. Don't panic because sometimes there could be a massive quarterback run mm-hmm. or let me use a better example. Sometimes there can be a massive running back run. Okay. Like, maybe you got, like, you had an early first round pick, so you're going to be picking in the late second, and there's such a huge running back run that it creates a value a wide receiver. Maybe a guy like a DeAndre Hopkins falls to you, or a Calvin Ridley, and there might be a major drop-off when you look at the running backs Big, be like, you know what? I can't ignore Calvin Ridley here, and I'm going to take whoever's left, you know, in the third, but yeah, whoever, it might be a Clyde Edwards-Alaire, or a, um, a J.K. Dobbins, which they'll probably be gone if there's that big of an RB run, but. Mm-hmm. You got to look at what's because sometimes these these positional runs can open up values at other positions. But sometimes when you look at these these positional runs, you might look and be like, "Well, you know what? I think you know if I'm viewing these guys based on tiers or whatever, like this running back's kind of the last guy I'd want. So maybe I should take him here because I think there's a drop off. Mm-hmm. You can look. You just you got to play the positional runs both ways. You got to view it from both sides of the fence. Is kind of what I'm getting at.
0: You have to and be able to read it.
1: Yeah, you got to read it. Yeah, read it and interpret it your way. You know, if you think you need to take this position because this is the last guy on your that on, uh, you want, and then you think it's a huge drop off, or like I said, you look and you're like, well, I'm kind of fine with what's out there at this at, at wide receiver. You know, I'll, I'm good with one of you know three or four of these guys, so I'm going to take this running back here that is now a round discount because he dropped. You know, mm-hmm.
0: and it's like I mean, you know, to your point. You know, for me, there's a big drop off at running back at a certain point in the draft, you know, and it, it's it depends how the board reads. But, like, usually after Kareem Hunt goes, I'm not particularly interested in a lot of guys after that uh, outside of Michael Carter and Trey Sermon. But, you know, like the Miles Gaskins, the Mike Davises, it's like you can keep them. I, I don't feel like fucking with them. And so like in the in the Degeneres draft, you know, Michael Carter went early and I was kind of like, oh, what do I do now? And I looked at my rankings and I I said, well, I'll take Kareem Hunt right here and that will shore up my RB position and then I'll be good to go. I'll be happy if I get Kareem Hunt here. And I got him and I said, all right, now we're back on track,
1: you know, (laughs) which uh, yeah, you didn't panic. Yeah, you diverted from the plan and you said, oh, that's fine. I'll take Kareem Hunt. And that's
0: going to bring me to my next tip. Take your guys, you know, Um, draft the guys you want, you know, at the end of the day, you have to like your team or you're not going to have any fun and you don't want to be a slave to ADP, you know, like, don't like, oh, well, you know, uh, you know, I I mean, I'm looking at the list and I, I, I really like Dobbins here, but. They have Swift ranked above him by one spot. So maybe I should take him instead. And just take your fucking guy, dude. You know, like, don't get silly with it. You know, like we've kind of alluded to. Somebody took Michael Carter in the fourth. And he would have been there. He would have been there two rounds later, three rounds later. And it's like, you know, I understand. Take your guy. You really want him. And I get it. I want him, too. But. Don't pay more than you have to either. You know, if if you can get him, if you can reach for him in the fifth, and that's two full rounds early than his ADP. If you can reach for him in the fifth, yeah. don't take him before that. I don't agree with reaching more than two rounds because at that point, you're just, you're, yeah. you're overpaying.
1: Like, I took Gibson at nine overall. Some people will tell me I overpaid. That's yeah, about a round and a half above ADP. Yeah, and here's the thing, and I've still yet to see it. I have not seen Antonio Gibson go any later in a real draft than, like, the 2-5. I just, something told me, I'm like, if I don't take him here, I'm not getting him. I'm not getting him. Somebody's going to take him. It may not have been Dickie, because I didn't know he was going to go kind of RB zero, but... <laughs> it, it, I just, I, I viewed him more highly than the guys that were available. I wanted him more than Taylor. I wanted him more than Najee, believe it or not, and... I said I'm gonna go with Gibson here. Mm-hmm. Take you guys. I took my guy. Like I said, it, it's it's some guys will say I overpaid. Some guys will say nah, I think that could pay off as the RB nine off the board. But yeah, yeah, I mean time will tell. You know it, it. Yeah,
0: you know you know I'm lower on Gibson than you, but mm-hmm. not a hell of a lot lower. You know I still think he's yeah. right around RB twelve ish. I would have taken some of those other guys above him, but. I don't think it's like, I don't think it's an egregious reach, you know? So do you have a, another tip
1: for the, for the listeners here? Yeah. So, uh, this will be my final tip, actually. Just the tip. <laughs> <laughs> Depth wins championships. Commandment. That is very true. It's a commandment. That's right. <laughs> uh, we're still going to finish those. Um. No, what, you know, you just you got to know the depth pieces you want to target later in the drafts that are going to help you win leagues. So in the degenerate draft, I went running back heavy in the beginning because I knew there was an absolute assault of wide receivers I was fine targeting in rounds 8 through 11. And I got for, dude, I got the three fucking guys I wanted. Didn't expect that to happen. I got Corey Davis, I got Marvin Jones, I got Antonio Brown. Mhm. I mean, there was a few other guys I was looking at in that range who I would have liked to have gotten, and, and guys I wasn't. It, like, stuff changes weekly. If you would have asked me last weekend if I was in on the vizco all, I would have probably been like, nah. I just, you know, <laughs> I'm not seeing it But with the ETN injury and kind of seeing how he's playing on the preseason. I'm kind of like, mm, well, maybe he is worth a shot in that 8 He's interesting. Range. Yeah, like, it, it's just, and it's not like that we, we're flip-flopping. It, it's just. It, opinions change and, and, and you see how things are like we're all like we've said before we're going to be right on guys we're going to be wrong on guys and like like LaViska's is a guy that from a week ago to now i have a different opinion on i don't love him i'm not going out of my way to get him but i would have taken i would take a stab on him where he's currently going in adp mm-hmm. but yeah depth absolutely wins championships injuries happen all the time and when you can get a guy late you can you know and, and you can Plug him in, you know what I mean? Whether it's a running back or a wide receiver. And depth depth uh, doesn't start and end at the draft. Depth is pieces that you build throughout the season. you got guys on waivers. There's always guys that are going to slip through the cracks on waivers. Absolutely. And I will almost argue that in-season management and being on top of that stuff is more important than your draft. It's not, but it's close. But I, I think you can yeah. make a case that it is more important than your draft. Because you but you can royally destroy your fucking team at the draft too. Like mm-hmm. depending on how you go about it, but depth wins championships. Just be smart about it, don't be dumb like me and build too much depth and watch all the good tight ends go because <laughs> I overfocused on depth. I should not have taken my RB5 before my tight end's one. And that was a mistake I made. I'm not perfect. Yep. And if I could undo that pick, I would undo Gus Edwards and I would have taken Tyler Higby and I would like my team much better, even if I didn't get Gus Edwards, who I like. And mm-hmm. so, like I said, you, the depth wins championships, but sometimes you gotta say, well, maybe I should skip on my RB5 here and fucking grab my tight end before there's no good ones left. Cause your starters are important too. Like, they're the ones that get you the points. Brian, you got anything to add on So, cuz I know you're big on depth one championships. As oh well. yeah. So, it's
0: funny you bring up in-season management, which I hadn't really considered talking about in this episode because you know, it was it was draft tips, but you know, I went back and looked at the 2020 draft. Our draft. Five players were on my final roster. Five out of 16. I'm sorry, five out of 17. I, I, we had kickers last year. Yeah, I believe it. So it's just, dude, you got to roll with the punches. Eric's absolutely right. Pay attention to that waiver wire. And, you know, my draft went like shit last year. My team was bad. They were, I was bad, bad. And losing Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle didn't help anything, but it definitely. It wouldn't have been enough. If I'd had those two, I still wasn't winning shit. I might, I probably would have made the playoffs, but it wouldn't have been enough. You hit,
1: you hit on a few guys. You hit on DK. You hit on Gibson.
0: I did. I hit on DK. I hit on Gibson. Yeah. Um, but like, I picked up Justin Jefferson. I picked up Justin Herbert. And those guys were huge pieces of my team. You know, they were waiver wire ads. And it was just because I was paying attention and... Use my ads wisely.
1: Biggest um, mistake of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I still like that still hurts me. I'm like, I cannot believe I fucking completely bailed on John Jefferson. After one we week. kind of tie that. I was like week two. I'm like, fuck him. I'm like, I ain't shit. And not only him. I, I had TJ Hawkinson. I drafted him and I dropped him too. And he, I think he was tied in four, five. Yeah, he was pretty high. He was okay. But I got Tanyan, so that one wasn't as, as tough to swallow. Yeah, maybe I can tie that in real quick as another tip. Like, you take some of these guys late as lottery tickets. Don't do what I did. Like, kind of give them a chance. Give them a few because weeks. I completely, yeah, I completely. And I, dude, I, I was like, oh, Jefferson's my favorite rookie. I would take him first over just about any of them. After one week to I'm like, yeah, fuck him. I'm picking. Up. I picked up some fucking <laughs> bum. I don't even remember who it was, but <laughs> like, you got to give them guys a chance. They're lottery tickets for a reason.
0: Sometimes it kills you to hang on to a guy too long. Like, I literally, I think I had Henry Ruggs on my fucking team at the end of the year, which is disgusting because he literally never panned out. But I was looking at it and I was like, man, if I make the playoffs, if I can squeak in, which I almost did, he is such a soft schedule, I'd have to play him. And I didn't make the playoffs because Henry Ruggs killed me and he didn't do shit. So. <laughs> With the soft schedule so I was like You know what? I held on to this fucking scrub All goddamn year he never Did anything he was just the worst And I took Him above his ADP Because I kind of believed In that team I'm like Alright so he's the number one they drafted him Up high Derek Carr is not as bad as people Think and he's going To be good And this goes back to another Tip know when to take Risks And, and I was so comfortable with that draft. And like I said, at the end of the year, I had five players still on my team out of 17. I was dead wrong on a bunch of them. Like almost everybody, DJ Chark was bad. Boston Scott was awful. Like, I don't even remember all of them. I already put the draft board away. I can't look at it anymore. I'll puke, but
1: piss you off.
0: I was like, you know what? I can take the risk. I could take the risk on these guys because my starting roster is that effing good, you know, and I couldn't, I was dead wrong about my players, but like, that's what I do though. Like if, if I love my starters, I'm like, all right, my bench, I'm swinging for the fences. I'm going all for upside. This is, I'm just, I'm going to knock this out of the park. Either they're, they're boom or bust. And if I if I'm kind of halfway through the draft and I'm like, oh, I really don't love the way this is going. I'm not crazy about this. Then I start to look for those safety net guys. Maybe somebody that's you know guaranteed to score me nine to ten points. Somebody I could throw in a flex, or maybe my my team has a bit of an injury history, and I'm like, all right, I might need somebody to actually start for me in like two to three weeks. So, you know, who's somebody I can plug in there that's going to get me ten points and not kill me. You know, it's know when to take risks and know when to play it safe. And uh, I mean, Eric, do you put a lot of thought into stuff like that with your draft?
1: Yeah, I do, and I feel like as far as taking risks go, that's I'm I'm I uh, viewing that on a on a you know on a, on a tipping scale. I tip more towards the risk side. I'm not scared to take a chance. And mm-hmm. It's. I mean, he looked at my patch drafts. I mean, sometimes they burned me. I took Lamar Miller over David Johnson in 2016. That fucking <laughs> killed me. That was dumb. That was so dumb. And he fell all the way to you at the 112. I remember that. You know, you made out like a bandit. And sometimes I take risk and it pays off. There was uh, at the year prior, 2015. I was all in on Julio Jones, and I took him in the first round. And I believe that's one of the best seasons he's ever had in his career. Yep. And he was a target monster. He had, he was, he put up, I remember he came out screaming that year. He's put up 35, 40 point games for like the first month. And sometimes it, it's, it burns you, but yeah, it's like you said, you're going to know when to take risk. I'm a little more riskier than most people. A lot of people don't like to take first round risk or second round risk. They like to wait. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, I get that. Like I, it, it's, your team's usually better made if you, you, you know, if you limit the risk and you don't do them too early, but if you know like in the mid rounds, like the the rounds three, four, five, six, seven, I don't get too risky. I guess you could argue Javante Williams is a little bit of a risk at five, but I don't believe it was. It's, it's, it's also uh, a little bit, Everything, yeah,
0: the running backs that were available, it was like, it's almost like swinging for the fences. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and it's like I could have taken Chase Edmonds, but I was like, nah. I'm like, I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Javante here, and it's like you said, a lot of it depends on how your draft is going. Do you like the way your draft's going? Are you gonna say, all right, fuck it, I'm swinging. I'm gonna keep yeah. swinging and swinging and swinging. Well, like, exactly. Like, like I mean,
0: like you said, you're super high on Antonio Gibson. You already had him, and you had David Montgomery. So you're like, all right, well, I could take the risk on Williams because if he doesn't work out, it's not gonna hurt me
1: yeah exactly so i got a a real quick last minute tip i just want to slip in no no i'm sorry i just
0: wanted to add real quick uh you know usually i'm very risk averse in the first three rounds i like to take guys that i'm very very comfortable with and that's why usually across multiple leagues my teams look similar because those are the guys i wanted um the degenerates this year I took DeAndre Swift in the second, and I feel like that was a big risk. I feel like it's a big risk. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just my risk aversion that's making me feel like it's a huge risk. <laughs> but uh, having him as my RB2 is concerning, and that's why I put so much premium on getting Kareem Hunt because I feel like he's much, much safer than DeAndre Swift. And even if Hunt doesn't really have top 12 outside outside of a chub injury, um. At least I know I have a locked in RB two, but I don't usually go for that kind of risk in the first three rounds. I'll I'll take somebody that I feel much much safer with. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're you're definitely you're a gambler, and I kind of
1: admire it. But yeah, I'm a yeah I'm a gambler. <laughs> so I'm um, when it comes to like, like like no one to take risk, I'd probably be like, I'll oh, just fucking go for it, dude. You're trying yeah. to win, right? You're not trying to lose. Shoot like, for the moon, like the, yeah. Shoot for the moon. And that's like, that's, that's real quick. Like everybody you talk to could have a different approach. Like you, like you said, like you, you could be like, ah, you know, I'm a little more risk at first, like to play safe in the first three rounds. Whereas you might ask me and I might be like, listen, there's a motherfucker you like, you know, like Antonio Gibson and you don't think he's going to come back to you in the second round, but you think he's going to finish top five, potentially take him, take the mm-hmm. chance. You're trying to win. You want you want first place. You're not going to, you're not playing for fourth or fifth or whatever. And, both strategies can work, and both of them can blow up in your face. Like it's, there is some, there is a luck variant to fantasy football. You can do all the stat diving and all the research and all listen to every podcast, and you watch YouTube videos, and, and and there is a little bit. Uh, there is always going to be the luck factor as well. Yep. Do you avoid the injury bug? Do you hit on this eleventh round wide receiver that you took? Do you know, do you pick up this this stud running back waiver pickup in James Robinson last year that that pretty much bailed me out because. CEH did not work out for me in the first round. And if it wasn't for James Robinson, my team would have been much worse.
0: <laughs> yeah And I mean, like, even this year, I took Kadarius Tony in the fourteenth. And it's like more likely than not, Kadarius Tony's nothing. And he'll end up getting cut. And see you later. But there's that chance. Like, you know, if he turns into Justin Jefferson, which I'm probably higher on Tony than anybody in the world. And even I think that's ridiculous, but like, let's just say by some effing miracle he turns into Justin Jefferson from last year. That's a hundred percent luck. Like, obviously, if I knew he was that, I would have taken him in the second round. You know, like it's luck. It's luck. There's definitely yeah. there's a lot of luck involved in fantasy football.
1: Like, yeah, like I, I I liked Jefferson a lot last year, but if you walked up to me and said he's gonna be wide receiver eight, I would have laughed in your face. <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, right. His his ceiling's like wide receiver twenty five, twenty four at the best. Like I would have been like, he I was like, he I was gonna be like, he's he's a back end wide receiver too. It's probably the best he's gonna do. And he'll probably be a late bloomer. And he, he hit a lot sooner than I thought. Mm-hmm. And uh real quick, I can tie this actually into the know when to take risk thing. This is the difference of opinion type thing too. Some guys love handcuffing their own running backs. Some guys like me, I'd rather handcuff your running back, you know, and you can kind of make a case for both. Yeah. You know? You always want to back your guy up. There's a few guys I'd make an exception for. Like If I had Dalvin Cook, I would maybe think about taking Madison just because I know Cook's going to probably miss two games a year. Seems like it's like a guarantee. <laughs> but a lot of times I'm looking around and it's like, nah, you got Zeke, motherfucker, I'll be looking at Pollard in the 13th round. I want him just in case. That's my lottery ticket. If Zeke goes yeah. down, you don't want to wish for injury for any player. I it, it's But you know that that guy potentially could be a top 12, 15 back. If something happens to the guy in front of him and it, it's a
0: league altering move, because not only do you gain a running back, but your competition loses a loses. running back.
1: Yep. And I'm a little more inclined to the earlier I draft in the offseason. I'm more inclined to handcuff my running backs because look at what happened to Cam Akers in the. Mm-hmm. You know, as e. the season goes on, I'm less and less and less likely. Et, if you would have handcuffed him with Robinson, which not my many people would have because they were going too high. But, yeah, they're both going too high. And I, Car- Carlos Hyde was like probably undrafted before uh, that news broke. But it, it's just it. Shit happens. People get hurt. Guys get hurt. It's gonna happen from here on out during the season when you need them the most. It's it's just it's injuries are a part of football. It's a physical game. It's a mm-hmm. contact sport, and and you know, like I said, the earlier I'm drafting, the more likely I am to handcuff my own running backs, but at the time, like now, when the preseason's done, I'm like, I'd be like, nah, I'm good. I'm not going to handcuff my guys. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh,
0: do, you uh, do you have another tip for the listeners?
1: Yeah, here's one. It's a little cheap tip. I do this all the time. Brian's going to tell me I'm cheap, but... uh. If your league settings, if you're doing an online draft and you don't have to draft a kicker or a defense, don't. Take another running back. (laughs) I do it all the time. I do it all the fucking time. I don't think that's cheap. No. And if the app lets you do it, the app lets you do it. Literally, that is why I got James Robinson in the Pilgrim League last year. I skipped on defense and a kicker. And with my last pick, I said, I'm going to take this James Robinson kid in case something happens. Ended up being a league altering pick. Because he was yeah. a top five running back. And I worried about it later. You know, two days before the season kicked off, I went, all right, I'll grab this defense because they're playing so and so, and I'll grab whatever kicker's on the fucking wire. And uh, well, nobody should be playing with kickers, so it shouldn't be. But there's still a lot of leagues that do. So that that's something I deploy. Some people will say it's cheesy. I say, do what you can get away with. That's my motto. <laughs> that's
0: my motto at work not when i'm drafting because <laughs> yeah,
1: there's always like there's always camp battles like um in philadelphia right now like I, it's kind of up in the air like who's going to be the backup to, to sanders is it going to be boston scott is it going to be kenny gainwell well maybe you skip a kicker and you take fucking kenny gainwell and next week a report comes out and it says kenny gainwell is the surefire number two running back and we'll have an we'll have a we'll have a small role to start the season. You might want to hold on to him because he might be a pass catching machine.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And
1: then maybe there's I don't know. There's always guys to cut, like you've said the the, the, the late round guys are usually they're cuttable, and like you might be like, yeah, maybe I'll hold on to like if you you have Kadari, it's Tony, maybe be like, yeah, maybe I'll let Tony go and I'll hold on to Gainwell instead. or Something just as an example. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's a little bonus tip for anybody who kept listening.
0: listen to all this bullshit so uh you know we want to thank you guys so much for listening obviously we really appreciate it Um, don't forget to get entered in the giveaway if you don't know how by now I don't know what to tell you uh you all should know
1: just go to daydreamingdegenerates.com baby and and it fucking tells you right there
0: exactly it's also on the Facebook page share a social media post write us an email Send us a judgment. Join the Patreon. Tyreek Hill full-size helmet. Tyreek Hill custom stat jersey. We want to give it away. Write to us. Let us know what you think of this episode. What you think of our draft tips. And you could win. So, couldn't be any easier. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope this helps you on your way to your draft, like we
1: said. And please, have a good night, guys. Yeah. Good luck, guys. Good luck this weekend. I hope you guys slay your drafts, get all the players you want, and uh, hopefully you guys are hoisting trophies, you know, uh, four months from now.